It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a Labor Day weekend edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Reed, your host, and joined by Dave Molinari. And for the last time on our show, at least for the foreseeable future, Taylor Haas. Uh, we will be joined a little bit later uh, by Ansar Khan of M Live up in Detroit. We'll be talking some Red Wings, kind of a rebuilding team that looks like it's finally starting to maybe turn around here a little bit. Uh, but guys, we are uh, getting close to training camp. We're in September now. It's not going to be long, and I think one of the uh, kind of storylines, obviously, of this summer has been, at least to this point, not a whole lot of activity. Uh, uh, after that, the initial boom uh, with uh, the league right as free agency started, some trades, and for the most part, the Penguins have kind of been sitting on the sidelines, and I think that has created a little angst within uh, the Penguin fan base, even though this is a team that is coming off a division title. Uh, but of course, again, knocked out in the first round. So a lot of times you hear general managers, uh, coaches say the answer has to be within the organization. And Taylor, I want to throw this out to you first. Uh, when you look as this team gets ready to go to training camp here in a couple of weeks, is there anybody uh, that's not on the main roster uh, that from last season? And if I threw P.O. Joseph in there too, is there anyone from the outside that could make a push uh, to make this team uh, coming out of training camp. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking in in Wilkes-Barre, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they didn't replace Cody Cece, but it sounds like it's going to be either Friedman or Ruidel who who takes that spot. I mean, and there isn't a right-handed option in uh, Wilkes-Barre who would be anywhere close to pushing for a spot. Um, I mean, as far as the forwards go, I mean, Poulin and Legere, um, would probably be the, the top picks. But even then, I just don't think they're going to go right from being on like a dominant QMJ HL team where they, you know, haven't really had to play defense a whole lot. And, you know, in the QMJ HL, which is already so offensive minded straight into the NHL, especially maybe like a, a bottom six role that maybe they, they, they really aren't suited for. So I think I, they're probably your best picks at four, but I also think that they should be in Wilkes-Barre to start. Um, and just see how they adjust. So I, I really don't think we'll see anyone from, from Wilkes-Barre or any of the prospects being a push. Dave, your thought, your thoughts on this? I pretty much agree. I think, you know, I, I guess I won't rule out Drew O'Connor, you know, until we see him at camp, see how he performs. Sure. Sure. Uh, 
but he's a long shot. You, you know, they've they've got what is it? I think fourteen forwards on one-way contracts. Uh, you know, when you've got a two-way contract and when you're exempt from waivers, that really stacks the odds against you when you're trying to take a job from a a guy on a one-way who does uh, need waivers to go to the minors. So, assuming they stay healthy. You know, it's kind of tough to see any of the uh, the kids breaking in, with the exception, as you as you noted, of of P.O. Joseph. To be clear, the, a one way, two way contract that has nothing to do with waivers, but there are got most guys they have on one ways are exempt. Um, they do require waivers. They do have two way guys who are exempt from waivers. Um, Redeems the horn is kind of the weird exception where he he's on a two way for this coming season, but during the season he can become um, waivers eligible. Um, so, but that's that that would be till later in the season. But I mean, Drew, Drew O'Connor he's another uh, good option too, especially watching him down in Wilkes-Barre. Where, I mean, it, when he was in Pittsburgh, we really didn't see a whole lot of him. Um, just he wasn't playing big minutes, but in Wilkes-Barre, I mean, he's on the first line. He's playing power play, penalty kill. Um, he's playing center and wing. They're moving him around. Um, he got really really good in his play along the boards, and when I when I talked to him when he was down in Wilkes-Barre, he did say that that was something that um, Sullivan, uh, you know, well, the coaching staff told him they wanted him to work on down there, um, and I thought he was really good at that in, in those tight areas. So, um, I mean, he definitely showed some signs down there that you know he could he could maybe push for a spot uh, eventually. All right, I'll, okay. Now you guys have uh, you guys have made it kind of clear that. Uh, there's not. There's probably not a lot of challengers other than PO. Taylor, would you? Would it be a disappointment if out of camp PO doesn't make the team? Or where? 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 Where are you with the development? I know you follow this. You follow this very closely down in Wilkes-Barre uh, of, of of the players down there. Uh, PO, after having a, a really nice start to this season, ended up going back, which I thought was the right decision. Uh, do you think he comes out? Do you think they come out of camp with him on the on the roster? Um, no, because I, well, I, this the roster. You know the way it currently is. There's just not a spot for him. I mean, he plays on the left side. Um, if if Dumoulin, Matheson, and 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 Pedersen are all still around, um, there's not a spot for him. Especially, well, like day one, they don't even have the cap space, so they they could you know long term iron market and then bring him up, but then. Again, he doesn't actually have a spot to play unless you bump one of those guys out or, um, you know, move someone over to the right side um, and then, you know, put him there. But even the, I think they'd be more comfortable playing Friedman or Ruid on the right side than making, you know, one of like Pedersen play on the right side. So um, I, I, I don't know. I think he, he, I, he should be in the NHL. I, I just don't think they have a, a spot for him. Um, but I mean, he did take those steps down there in in Wilkes-Barre. He really did work on his physicality. Um, he said that's not something that they they talked with him about. He just said, you know, that he's in the AHL. He he thought it was a good opportunity to to, to try to work on that. Um, and he was laying a lot of heavy hits too. I remember, I, like, I asked Shady Forrest about it. Um, you know, if they talked to him, maybe about upping his physicality, and he said. He said they didn't have that conversation with him, but he thinks that we're noticing it more just because he's gotten a lot stronger. Um, and that's something that we've we've been hearing from, you know, since he got in the organization, that he's been getting stronger. I mean, I remember what, when he was uh, a rookie, um, you know, maybe his weight didn't increase over the co- course of the season, but Mike Vellucci told me that, you know, when they did their 
mid-season you know fitness testing his leg strength doubled even though he didn't necessarily put on any pounds but then also in the off seasons he has been putting on like the last two off seasons i think he put on like about 10 pounds um each off season so he's like 185 now i mean his his size is still a concern for people i guess but um i don't know it's i think it'd be interesting to see like what he comes into camp you know if he puts on any, any weight but he has you know worked on that physicality so He's, I think he can make the NHL, but I, um, there's no spot. Dave, uh, we obviously we spent the last show talking about poor Marcus Pedersen. He, this guy's not going to be a fan of the 66 to 87 podcast. We're trying to get rid of him so bad, it seems like at times, without any real reason. But I'll go back. I'm going to go back at this. The, the, I mean, Pio Joseph spent most of last year in the minors. He, the year before, I mean, how much more development does this kid need? And at some point, does the organization have to say, we're going to carve out a spot for him one way or the other and get him start getting him in the lineup well i mean he's only 22 and i think you run a much greater risk of hurting a defenseman by getting him to the nhl too quickly than than you do by having him stay in the minors a little longer than might be necessary for his development um i i agree that he probably could take a regular shift in the NHL at this point in his career. But if he would have to start the coming season in Wilkes-Barre, I, I really don't think that would be a, uh, a major issue uh, as far as retarding his, his development. Okay. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I just have a feeling, I just have this feeling that we're going to see P.O. Joseph uh, maybe not right at the beginning, but but very soon in. And again, we still got a couple of weeks left. We'll still see if, if the Penguins do make some moves, maybe to free up a spot for him. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some some news around the league as far as involving uh, vaccinations. Uh, some teams have made some interesting choices. Some organizations, uh, the buildings have made some interesting choices. And then we're also going to get into overtime and, and, and my wacky idea for what I would love to see happen in the NHL. Uh, stick with us on the 60-60-87 podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. We've hit our roundtable segment. 
And uh, let's start out with this uh, news coming out of Chicago today uh, that the, uh, the, the, the arena there uh, will uh, require all fans uh, to be not only vaccinated and, and to have proof of vaccination card, but also, uh, according to the Sun-Times story that, that dropped uh, on Thursday, uh, they will require masks, too. Now, we know at least one Canadian team has done it. I don't want to go through the whole list, so we're going to say Chicago is the latest. We know Winnipeg has has done something similar with the vaccination. Uh, but it does lead to this question, guys. Uh, could you see this coming to Pittsburgh? And in, to be clear, in Chicago, this is basketball, hockey, and it's going to be concerts, too. Taylor, do you think there's an appetite for it here in Pittsburgh? And do you think that the, the, that the people that run the arena would actually go that far this season as the, as the virus and the Delta variant uh, continues to kind of plague our country? I mean, I don't think you can say anyone has like an appetite for wearing masks, but um, I think we, what we're seeing is either requiring proof of vaccination for some teams or a negative like COVID test within you know, a certain time frame. I think that's more likely. And I think teams that are doing that, you know, not most of them that I've seen, I don't think they're also requiring masks. It's just those two. And I just think that's the smartest way to go. Um, there are immunocompromised people and kids who can't get the vaccine. So letting in people who don't have like the vaccine or then a negative COVID test, you're putting those people at risk, even if they're doing everything right. So I think, I think that's just smart. I think, I mean, there would be people that are unhappy about it. that don't want to take the test or don't want to get vac- vaccinated, but um, I don't know. I think we're seeing that kind of response um, with all of this stuff, like people saying they're going to boycott, but it's like you can't boycott if you're not allowed in anyway. So I don't know. I think I think that something like that would be more likely. I don't know uh, if, if the Penguins would do it or, you know, PP. I know PPG, they're requiring, they're not requiring, they're recommending masks for concerts, but um, it sounds like it's not very heavily enforced. So we'll see if that if that changes. Dave, would you, uh, do you think, uh, well, I'll just ask you straight, do you think that, that, that Pittsburgh should pursue some something similar to this? Maybe not both the vaccinations and the mask, but maybe just the vaccinations. Well, I mean, I, I think they should follow whatever the recommendations of the local health authorities would be on this. Um, I, I mean, I think logically that anyone who is eligible to be vaccinated, that it's it's reasonable to expect that if they're going to be in an indoor setting, with, you know, in close proximity to others, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that uh, requiring a vaccination is, uh, you know, is uh, perfectly fine. And frankly, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm convinced that, you know, a, a simply a negative test within the previous uh, 72 hours or whatever is adequate because, you know, you could certainly contract uh, the virus, you know, in the in the subsequent time period. So, you know, uh, this all might seem you know, like, like extreme measures to be taking, but I think this is a pretty extreme situation, you know, when we're a year and a half into a pandemic uh, and the trajectory, uh, you know, over the past month or so certainly seems to be going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and, and of course, you add to that, we're starting to see government officials and military uh, and, and certainly the athletes, they're making it much harder in all the sports if you are not vaccinated uh, to have to prove that you're healthy, you have to take more tests. Um, 
I did I, see I, a tweet of like different league breakdown um, and like a percentage of athletes that are, are vaccinated. Um, and the NHL currently is like, it's the lowest. I mean, it also is, we're, I mean, we're getting pretty close to training camp, but it was like the NHL is something like 85% of players have been vaccinated, which is the lowest among the North, the North American sports leagues. The, the WNBA was leading the way with 99%. Um, so, I mean, the, NH- the NHL players have some catching up to do too, but um, that's something that they're, they're negotiating with the NHLPA. Yeah. It'll be interesting to follow. And uh, uh, with this, with the way our country is right now, you know, it's going to be controversial no I mean, what, I think they could require make. they could require full hazmat suits and they would still sell out. Like you see how much <laughs> tickets go th- go for. Like so, it's not. I don't think it's like a debate of like, oh my god, are they, if they do this, like, are people still going to come? Yeah, like I think be, you could make them wear full hazmat suits. Like, yeah, look at look how the ticket prices are are going for. People would come no matter what. It's hockey, and yeah. I think that players will have some be given some real incentives. Uh, to get vaccinated because I think that the the ones who are not will be forced to operate under a lot more strict guidelines uh, than those who are, you know, in terms of where they can go at the team facilities and, you know, what they're allowed to do on the road and that sort of thing. I think that if you're not vaccinated, you'll have a lot of restrictions like the ones that were in place last season and that, uh, you know, you, you'll have to be really committed to not wanting to get the uh, the vaccination to uh, to put up with the the hurdles that will be placed in front of you uh, for not having it. Well, it was very interesting in the NFL this past week. Urban Meyer, the new coach of Jacksonville, former longtime coach here at Ohio State, got caught in one of those moments of got caught in one of those moments of telling the truth, or mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have, but basically said, "Hey, when when I were when we were making our final evaluations on cuts." That was something we did consider, whether the player was vaccinated or not vaccinated. And boy, that that caused a that caused a a, a you know what storm. Uh, even where Jacksonville's organization had to walk it back and say, "Well, that really wasn't the case," but you obviously know well, that, it, that it was the, the because the, the head coach said it was. And why wouldn't it be the case when it, you know the NFL has put in the rule that you know if you I can't play in a game because of a COVID outbreak on your team. And I I believe they specify, you know, because of players who haven't been vaccinated, you know, that you forfeit the game. Uh, That's, that's a pretty good incentive to uh, have, have your players vaccinated. And yeah, I think that makes it a, a perfectly reasonable factor, maybe even a primary factor in determining, you know, who you're going to keep around. Yeah, the, the number one ability is availability, and especially in the NFL where this it's the season is only 17 games, uh, you, you can't afford to lose players and you can't afford to have players causing outbreaks on your team, as Dave mentioned, with risk of forfeiting a game. All right, I want to get one touch on one more subject briefly because you guys can tell me I'm crazy and a lot of people already have told me this. <laughs> but the other night, a great ending to the U.S., uh, Canada Women's World Championship. I hope you, you caught it on NHL Network. Canada wins the game. They win the game in overtime, and uh, they went right to the three-on-three format. Uh, and the game ended five or six minutes in. Beautiful goal. I don't know how the on-ice official missed it to begin with. Uh, but I wanted to get, get to your guys' thoughts on this. Here's my, my, my feeling. 
I have, maybe I'm just getting old, but I'm getting tired of these four and five overtime games. Not that they happen frequently, but living here in Columbus a couple years ago when Tampa Bay and Columbus went to five overtimes, it was bad hockey. If for, for the people that, that were the neutrals, you watched the game and like, oh my God, when is this thing going to end? I would, I am a proponent of playing two overtimes normal, just five on five. But once you get to the third overtime, I'm, I'm all for that. If you can't decide a game in a hundred minutes, I don't have no issue with going to three on three uh, to try to settle this thing. So these guys aren't playing all night and the quality of play uh, gets become so bad. Taylor, am I crazy? Um, I mean, so specifically, you know, the world championship, I, I saw a lot of people complaining on that, you know, during about that during the intermission before overtime started. And I was like, I'll decide whether I like the three and three, depending on what happens. <laughs> like if you say wins, I love the three and three. If they lose, I hate it. But then, um, I don't know, Marie Philippoulin, she's like the most clutch athlete, I think, of in any sport, her generation, um, with two Olympic gold medal winning, you know, clinching goals and then this this world championship so i was happy to see her so then i was, I was okay with the three on three but in general um no i think i'd rather see five on five um i don't know anything other than than a shootout honestly uh i i would prefer um i know well like the the women's um like in the olympics when the when the usa went women won gold and like Pyong, uh pyongyang it was it was decided in a shootout i think that's kind of a letdown i guess uh, I don't want to see that, but any at least over time, I, I think I would prefer five on five. Dave, uh, my thought on your thought on my thought of after a couple of overtimes, let's see to get let's get this let's get this thing wrapped up. Let's see the best players on the ice. Let's see some open ice. Let's see a goal. Oh, it's not a function of your age, Tom, because I have socks that are older than you. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I couldn't disagree more. Okay, um, I, I think. Part of the challenge of, of winning a championship, it, you know, is, you know, being able to uh, hang in there and, you know, play your, your best game for as, as long as you're required to. I, you know, I'm, I don't think, you know, I, I'm not a fan of shootouts. I have no problem with tie games uh, during the regular season. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that you should force a winner. Uh, but if you have to do it with three on three or four on four, I can live with that during the regular season. But when you when you get into a, a playoff setting or some sort of uh, championship or medal round uh, level competition, I say you you play a regular game for as long as you need to uh, to d- determine the better team. I feel like Jimmy Fallon fans would agree with you, Tom. Just to um... Well, he's on NBC, and I, I, I always love when, like, when there'd be like late NHL games on NBC that would like run over and like run into like Jimmy Fallon, seeing like all Jimmy Fallon fans outraged. Um, so I feel like they'd be on, on board with you, three on three, get it over with. So yeah, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not. And my, my my feeling on this is is not. It's not that I don't mind them if the game is continually like, oh my god, this is an incredible game. Uh, but I just, I just think the quality of play gets so diminished as it goes really late into the night when you get to I the know. third and the fourth, and it's just like guys are taking twenty second shifts, they're dumping it in, and it almost always ends just with a mistake. As I, far as I think that's some of the appeal of it, though, that you know, if a game's going like you know four overtimes, like I'm gonna 
turn it on uh, when maybe I wouldn't have watched the game before. Uh, but I mean, I watched that Blue Jackets game, and I'm you know you're not turning it on it you know expecting you know incredible hockey, but you want to see it be- because it's been going on for so long, and these guys are fighting through it. All right. Well, I'm wrong as usual, <laughs> but, but but it was a good argument. I liked it. A uh, good conversation. All right. When we come back. Uh, we will be joined uh, uh, by Ansar Khan of M Live. We're going to talk a little bit about Red Wings. We're going to drop a question in there about where the Red Wings were about five or six years ago, kind of where the Penguins might be right now. So stick with us here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are joined by Ansar Khan of M Live. Does a great job covering the Red Wings. Is co- Answer, how many years have you covered this team? Uh, with them live now, uh, close to 21 years. That's a, that's incredible. Uh, before we get to the questions, I, a little story about uh, back in the day when I was covering the Blue Jackets, and the Blue Jackets weren't very good. Uh, and every year we there would be a late-season game in Detroit. The one year they played Detroit and got swept in the first round. But I can always remember walking out of the press box or the media room and saying, boy, these poor guys got two more months of work ahead of them because the rings, wings were always going deep in the playoffs back then. Every year, 25 straight years in the playoffs. And we always knew you guys would be working probably, if not into June, very close to June. And then it finally, finally bottomed out. Uh, the wings ended their 25-year run five years back and have missed the playoffs uh, each year since. Uh, so, Ansar, what is the state, what is the level of optimism around the Red Wings re- rebuild heading into this season? Uh, you know, uh, for a team that's that's missed the playoffs five years in a row, uh, uh, really bottomed out uh, two years ago. They had one of, I think, the third worst uh, points percentage in in franchise history. Uh, for a team that's been been bad here for a while, actually the optimism is is fairly high, and among fans, and that's it's really the because of Steve Eiserman. Sure, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a legend here as a player, 
and uh, a lot of excitement when he came back as GM. And there's a really an enormous amount of faith in him from the fan base. They really trust him. Uh, whatever he does, uh, he, uh, they just believe that it's, it's going to take time, but the, the, the fan base believes that it's going to happen and that he's going to make it happen. And uh, I think that's uh, generally what uh, the optimism uh, stems from. And certainly he had a good track record in Tampa Bay. I mean, he wasn't, I don't think he was there for when they actually started going to the finals and winning. Uh, but he certainly had his fingerprints were all over that franchise. Um, when you look at this roster right now and, and some of the prospects coming up, there are some nice, there's no question, there's some nice pieces. And as you said, it looks like the team is taking steps forward. But when I look at them, I don't know if I see a franchise player like a Steve Eiserman to build around just yet. Is that fair? Or is there someone that's waiting till you see this guy this year take a step or coming up through the system? No, no, that's absolutely accurate. Uh, that's the, the one thing that they really lack is that franchise, uh, you know, the, the elite uh, can't-miss guy. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of bad luck in the lottery, uh, considering how bad they've been in the last few years. They, 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 they've dropped a couple of spots. Uh, you know, I mentioned two years ago when they had by far the worst record in the league, and they ended up picking fourth. Uh, just uh, some really bad lottery luck. Um, and, and that's, I, I think, the main reason uh, why they don't have that, 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 that you know, that can't miss that high-level guy. They, like you mentioned, they've got a few uh, really good promising prospects. One that they're going to get a, a look at this year is defenseman Mort Sider. Uh, he, he, he could really probably be the top of their, their – the list of their prospects, uh, the defenseman, big defenseman, six foot four. Uh, you know, he was on loan in Sweden this past season, and he was the Swedish Hockey League's defenseman of the year as a 19, 20 year old. Uh, that's the guy that uh, really uh, is going to an- is going to anchor this defense. Uh, they hope, uh, at least for, for for years to come. Uh, what, what's the importance, do you think, of going out and adding uh, Alex Ndalkovic as the goalie for next season? Well, that was huge, uh, really, and that was a surprise. Uh, and this is a guy that's 25 years old. He finished third in Calder Trophy voting, and Carolina basically just gave him away. I mean, that's it was astounding that you could get a guy like that for the 94th overall pick in the draft. I mean, mm-hmm. just an absolute steal. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was huge because, you know, uh, they had, uh, Jonathan Bernier, but you know, he's, he's older. Uh, uh, they got in the Delkovich, they got a guy that, uh, they can have for at least, uh, they signed him to a two year contract, but he could be here longer than that. Uh, he'll, uh, eventually step in for, for Thomas Grice, who's in the last year of his contract. And then he'll be kind of a, a stopgap or, a transition to uh, Sebastian Cosa, who was the uh, the fifteenth pick in this year's draft, the the, the franchise goalie, uh, their, their goaltender of the future. Yeah, and then what do you think uh, Nick Letty can add to the Red Wings defense? Uh, a skill, uh, offense, uh, puck moving. Uh, you know, it, it, defensively they've got a good group. Uh, 
They improved a lot. Uh, that was one area, you know, they, they struggled to score goals again last year, but they really improved their goals against average. And a lot of that was due to their defense. And, and they, uh, you know, they added to it with, with Letty, with, uh, with Cider. They will this year. And, and, and Jordan Osterley, another free agent from, uh, from Arizona. And, but, but as, as, as good as their defense is, the, the one area that it lacks is, um, offensive ability uh some some scoring uh, they don't get generate a lot of offense from the back end and, and and that's one area i think letty will will help with uh and so management's been really patient with with his coach do you see this as any kind of a make or break season for him and uh if not when do you think uh, one of those would come along yeah, yeah, they have been very patient with him, uh, but they, you know, they also realize that he's in a in a tough spot. Uh, doesn't have a lot of talent uh, skill to work with. Um, I think uh, you know they, the last couple of years, basically, they've been evaluating him just on on growth of uh, the young players. And uh, you know, there Steve Eiserman's been he's been satisfied with uh, with the, the direction that the young players uh, have gone. And uh, and he and he believes that uh, he really believes that Jeff Blaschel is a good coach, just in a bad situation, and that's why he's. Uh, I mean, it's surprising that I believe he's the third longest tenured coach uh, in the, in the NHL with his current team behind uh, John Cooper and, and and Paul Maurice, which is really uh, amazing when you think about it, considering how bad this team has been and just how how. Uh, you know, how frequently uh, coaches get uh, shuffled in and out. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, you could pretty much say the last couple of years, each year has been kind of a make it make or break year. Uh, but again, uh, they're not expecting, uh, the expectations aren't high, uh, but, you know, they want to see some improvement overall. And uh, as far as uh, point total and uh, standing goes, but but more importantly, they they want to see progress from the young players, and that's what he's going to be judged on. And Pittsburgh's in a situation similar to uh, the one in Detroit a few years back, where you have a team that was a perennial contender. You know that uh, the window is either closing or has closed. Uh, if you could uh, put on your, you know, take a pay cut and put on your GM's hat instead of being a writer. Uh, if you could turn the clock back six or seven years, would you have let the Red Wings group that, you know, what was left of, of the, the team that that won cups and, and contended for championships, you know, play all the way out and then, you know, be willing to suffer through the long rebuild that, that they're in now? Or would you have maybe, you know, broken things up a, a few years earlier and tried to uh, shorten the the, uh, the rebuild period? Yeah, you know, that's a, that that's always been a, a debate or for the last several years. That's been a debate among the fan bases. Did Ken Holland wait too long to start the rebuild? Uh, and, and the thing is, he, he didn't really have a choice because he was under uh, a mandate from ownership to do whatever it takes to continue that playoff streak, because that was really, uh, you know, it was, it was it was really important for this franchise, for the ownership, something that they took a lot of pride in. Uh, 
you know, I, I think I'd mentioned to Tom uh, a little while back that when it reached 25 years, they 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 uh, they even went as far as to put a logo on the ice uh, that that year in the playoffs. Uh, that's how much they they valued that playoff streak. So he really didn't have a choice. He 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 was under pressure to do whatever it took to continue making the playoffs. Uh, you know, certainly in hindsight, you can look back and say, yeah, uh, should have uh, should have broken up the you know the team and and started selling uh, earlier than he did and building for the future. Uh, you know, uh, I think. Uh, probably the best thing that could have happened to them is if, you know, during the middle of those 25 years, uh, maybe late during that streak that they would have had an off year because of injury or whatever and missed the playoffs, then they wouldn't have had that pressure uh, just to keep it going. Ah, good stuff. Uh, very good stuff, Ansar. Uh, for, for fans out there that want to kind of follow this team, I think it's a team that is is starting to push in the right direction finally. Uh, make sure to follow Ansar on MLive. Does a great job covering that team. Uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, for Ansar Khan, for Dave Molinari, and Taylor Haas, we wish you all the best with podcast on Fifth Avenue. I hope our, our listeners uh, make sure to follow that podcast, which, Taylor, I believe begins next week? Yeah, next week. All right. Well, great. For the rest of you guys, stay safe. Have a great Labor Day weekend, and we will talk to you again next week on the 66 to 87 podcast.